Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry, feathered, or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Hello and welcome. This is episode 170 of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, where too much talking of pets is barely enough. I'm Dr. Robbie Ennett, and I'm joined by a man who has recently gone on and laid out a 15-step guide on how to get back to recording a podcast face-to-face. It's Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Lewis, how are you going after your expose of your roadmap to face-to-face podcast recording interview? <laughs> Has it come out? I think I might release it next week. I'm oh, releasing uh, it next week. Yeah, oh, there yeah, you go. No, oh, sorry. No, just, oh, it's a sizzle. Yeah, sizzle well, for our listeners. It'll come out next week. I'll send it out to the journalists early. And the Patreon subscribers, the Patreon yeah. subscribers and the journalists. Yeah. They know. They know our, our roadmap to getting back together. But uh, somewhere, somewhere around 80, 90 95 percent something 95 percent vaccinated yeah excellent something along along those lines yeah is that including uh, i've got to um credit this line to uh john sylvester the uh the uh, crime writer for the age Um, the underworld underworld. yep uh where he was talking about rather than shooting capsicum spray capsicum spray and rubber bullets at uh protesters they should actually just be uh just shooting vaccinations at them Ah, uh-huh, very nice. Uh, yeah, that is, yeah. That's 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 pretty good there, Sly. I yeah. like that. I like it that, a lot. Borrow a few dart guns from the uh, the vets at the Melbourne Zoo, you reckon, and just absolutely, yeah, just pop them off. That's a great idea. A little but, bit of etorphine as well, just to quiet them down for as they're uh, as they're going home in their Ubers. Bit, bit of Zolotil, you reckon? Just yes. to knock them out for a day or two. <laughs> very nice. Well, this way, uh, actually um, had a, a bit of a clarification on the Ooh. the shocking news we had. Last week, I don't know if the listeners remember, but we talked about an uh, electric eel. Oh having, yes, having surgery. Tesla. Tesla, and we made some comments about. Oh, hang on, the eel's fifty years old, but the Tesla's only fifteen years old. Yes, and a little bit of a fact check from um, from uh, Andrew Delvadova. Uh, all names, all names have been changed from right. uh, from the Baghdad section of of Port Melbourne. Shout out to 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 Andrew. <laughs> The Baghdad section of Port <laughs> Wow. Melbourne, Port Melbourne, the Baghdad, yeah. yep. Baghdad end. Uh, all names have been changed, of course. Uh, just uh, said, the, the, don't we know about Nikola Tesla, the, uh, the inventor, electrical engineer, mechanical engineer, and futurist uh, who designed the modern uh, AC current electrical unit? Uh, so, two vets, two vets talk pets, not two vets talk engineering history. That's a that's a that's a niche for the a more cerebral podcast. Exactly, that's what I, I said to Andrew. Look, that's why we're vets, mate, and uh, when do we, know, <laughs> we won't venture out of our field. Sometimes we do. Stay then, in our lane. We exactly. got to stay in the lane, just like the Teslas. But then, <laughs> oh, hopefully, then, then Nick Nick did invent the Tesla coil as well. Old Nick Tez, Tesla, the old mate. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, the the ele- as you would know, remember electrical resonant transformer circuit. Oh, of course. course. Yes, I yeah, remember that from engineering days. Yes. So, apologies to uh, to any Nick, any electrical Nick, enthusiasts out there. Yeah, Tezo and, and Andrew Delvadova from the Baghdad end. Excellent. Well, we will have to make sure we uh, we fact check on Wikipedia a little bit more strongly. Exactly. I did say, I did say to him I would mention him on the podcast, and I said it may not be complimentary. So he's more than, 
Paul and Abby <laughs> have a mention put in there. So, so there you go. So, thank you very much, Andrew, for uh, for being the fact checker for this week. Well, speaking of um, speaking of you know in- interesting uh, interesting ends and um, and fact checking. I had a uh, an interesting case this week. A dog, I, you know, those frustrating cases where you get dogs that a are quite difficult to handle, but they're showing clinical signs, and so you need to be doing investigation. You mm-hmm. don't really find much, and then the dogs end up getting better anyway. And then sometimes the owners look at it and go, "Oh, gee, so all this just to tell me that my dog had a sore tummy and now yeah. it's better." Yeah. Well. Yes, but I've been able to tell you a whole lot of stuff that it's not. <laughs> um, so, so uh, talking through um, some X-rays with um, uh, an owner about this, and um, the dog was quite gassy, and uh, and so she's got pointing out, well, "What's that?" And I go, "Well, that's that's the kidney." I go, well, "What's that?" All right, oh, well, that's on the X-ray, uh, yeah, yeah, on, yep, on the X-ray, yep. yes, yep. Um, yeah, it's all there in black and white and different shades of grey. Fifty sometimes, if you're lucky. Um, eh, so. She goes, well, what's that there? And I go, well, that's that's the feces. And and, and she goes, oh, I go, what's feces? Oh, well, it's poo. Oh, okay, right. And what's what's all this black stuff? Well, that's gas. Oh, okay, right. Well, what's this spot here where it's you know there's the the, the, the white stuff in amongst the black stuff? And I go, well, that's that's gas surrounding feces. What? what? Is it? Look, it's a it's a fat. It's it's a it's a. Oh, I had I've been practicing this in my head. <laughs> it's a it's a poo trapped in fart. Right, it's just a, f- a a fart that's got poo inside of it that's just ready to come out. So make sure you wind your windows down on the way home because there's a good chance <laughs> that that's coming out in the car on the way home. So and oh. I thought twenty years of being a vet, and I've never had to resort to describing uh, colonic gas and feces in there as being yeah, just a, a poo caught in a fart ready to come out on the way home. <laughs> Was it you say because we have, I have a lot of uh, clients. Um, uh, we've been in the city. We'll get a lot of students. For, you know, English is certainly not their first language, and mm. uh, no, a little bit of a um, couple of other languages, and, and maybe a little bit of Chinese, perhaps. And I'll say a few words. You know, fusier is for diary. So you know, you try and say that, and sometimes they don't understand you, and then sort of say, you know, how's the poo been? You know, no, don't understand poop. No, I don't have to. You know, feces definitely not feces. Uh, so then you just get to the sh one t word, and oh, they know what that is. They know what that is. That, that that's no Hollywood. Worries. Thank you very much, Hollywood. Exactly. Exactly. So I often, often use that, that word quite a bit in consult when people don't understand what I'm saying. So oh, yeah, so, there you so go. The, the old don't swear in consults uh, rule that we they used to tell us at uni. But you know, hey, if it's if it avoids a language barrier, mate, why not? Go for it. You've got to use well, all the all the quivers that you can. Exactly. Well, that was 20 years ago. And I think it's moved, moved on since uh, since the days when we graduated, mate. And they said don't don't uh, use expletives when necessary. <laughs> yes, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, I actually want to give a bit of a shout out to uh, in consults, mate. I'd, uh, I'd, I haven't been at work, but this is a couple of weeks ago. I was just extolling the virtues of peanut butter. Yes. And I, and I thought, you know, if there are some vets that are listening out there or nurses that are listening out there. Um, I really, really love using peanut butter in a consult and cool. I'll use it. Uh, yeah, I've got, I've, I'll, uh, the nurses will go, oh, I'm going up to Coles. Do you need anything? Yes. I need peanut butter. And they go, well, all right, fair enough. That's for Lewis. I reckon I'm perhaps the only one that uses it, but I, I just love it. And, um, and, you know, smearing on the table or smearing on a licky mat or, you know, or, uh, you know, smear on my finger, whatever, whatever works. And the thing is when you say to owners, I always ask now because there's people that have got anaphylaxis I often say, absolutely peanut allergies. Is there, is there anyone in the house that's got an allergy to, to peanuts or peanut butter? And some owners will go, answer the question. No, there aren't. And yep. then some answers, some some owners will go, oh, I'm not sure if my dog's allergic to it or not. 
and I'm like, well, no, dogs, we don't get anaphylaxis in dogs generally at all. I've never seen one. Maybe no. I'm wrong, but, uh, but well, uh, you're, well, you're the, you're the, you're the greatest user of peanut butter in the veterinary world. So if anyone's <laughs> going to have seen it, Lewis, it'd be you. I've got shares in it. That's right. And so, <laughs> and so like, so I just get confused that I'm asking about their pet being allergic to peanut butter, but in fact, I'm actually asking about the family. Yes. Being allergic, allergic to peanut butter. So, but I just, I just really love it. I love it. It's great for distraction. I'm even, uh, I'll even use Vegemite sometimes as well for uh, all right. Those Very good. Leases. Yeah, I yep. find they don't like peanut butter. Sometimes they like Vegemite. In America, they've got some great squeezy cheeses, cheese in a can. Oh, oh yes, I'll, yeah, yeah, wish, I know the ones. Yep, yep. I wish we had that over here. That would, that would be fantastic. So, certainly give it a try, mate. I would recommend go down. Well, I'm, I'm a big fan of the uh, the Bega peanut butter, just a normal yeah. fat. Don't go for your diet ones that might have xylitol in them. Oh, yes. Yeah. Artificial sweeteners. Yes. Is not ideal. So make sure it's just your full fat peanut butter. But I love it. I'll put it in a cone, you know, put it on the table. Anything to try and distract those dogs while we're doing stuff with them. Dogs, I've never used it on a cat. So certainly, certainly on the dogs. And um, I'd love to know, do you have anything special you use, mate? What do you use for treats? Uh, so I use, so we've got the, the, the standard run of the mill liver treats, but then um, if they're not digging the liver treats, then I'll go and crack into my, uh, my lunch cheese uh, uh, stash in the fridge. So I'll go and I'll, um, I'll get my hands a quick wash and go and grab one of my uh, slices of bigger cheese that I've got in there that I put right. in the sandwiches. Um, and then if that's not working, we've got some roast chicken that we've got frozen in the, in the uh, freezer uh, that we use yeah. for the hospital patients. And so we'll defrost some of that. And we got some of the, the, the creamy, um, uh, creamy cat, um, oh, uh, stuff dine, in a tube, dying yes. creamy treats. Yes, yes, yeah. Well, so the other one, tr- the uh, is it uh, the pink one? There's another brand. Just escapes yeah. me from it. But they're great. You can get them at Coles or Woolies. So, so yeah, yeah they're, so, they're, so we've got those really there for um for trying to trying to help to give to cats and particularly kittens and things like that too. You know, and I think um like one of the big things like I think in general. I think as we're seeing more of these, more of the oodly um, puppies come through, they seem to be the ones that react so much more mm. with their mm. vaccinations. Mm. And now we're getting them through now for their, for their adult vaccinations. They're already coming in pretty wired. So I think the more things that we can do to try and help to make their visits happy and easy and, and a little bit more pleasurable it's because they're going to be coming in for the next 13 mm. to 15 years. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's uh, you want to try and, it's interesting how those first contacts can make a big difference. I reckon I had a dog come in for its 12 week uh, vaccine, little sort of oodle puppy and uh, everything's going fine. You know, Vegemite on the table, everyone's doing it. And as soon as I, and I have a bit of a technique, you know, normally I'll say, put the dog on the, on the ground, we'll sit on the ground. I'll throw some treats, get the dog to come up and just say, good day. If everything yeah. seems to go, okay, we'll then progress to maybe getting on the table, treats on the table, that sort of thing. And, and uh, uh, Hey guys, is, uh, is it Robbie's yeah, kids getting saying, invited? Yeah. And, uh, and then progress on the table I'm doing all the stuff, you know, treats on the table, everything's going fine. And then what I tend to do before I'm going to give a needle, if that's what we need, like a vaccination, mm. I will just start to just gently pinch the skin yep. up, associate that with some food, pinch the skin up, a bit more peanut butter, you know, pinch the skin up, examining the dog, everything sort of just getting it used to having that skin pinch, maybe a bit of scratch on the back where it's mm. going to be that sort of thing. But this dog, every time I went to touch it at the back of its neck, it was reacting. Yeah. It was, you know, turning its head at me like, what are you doing? What's what are going on? Oh, yeah. That's really weird. You know, generally, yeah, they, they've, they've obviously had a microchip at a young age, so maybe it was sensitive to the microchip. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was. It remembers the initial vaccination, but generally they're not too bad like that. I thought this is a bit weird. When I looked at the history, 
had actually been to us before and it had a Serenia injection oh. at a very, very young age. And for yeah, listening okay. out there, Serenia injection is a big stingy, stingy injection. Yeah. Anti-gorgia injection. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. And as obviously this, this dog had actually remembered that very early injection. Now it was really reacting to any sort of touching at the back of the neck. And I mean, I guess sometimes those younger dogs might use something different if they're nauseous, maybe a, a bit of a Zofran or, you know, some mm. sort of alpha anti-nausea medication just because I know that's going to sting. So it's interesting how it can affect them from such a young age. Mm. And it's, um, I think like that's some, certainly something that I'm looking at trying because like we, we often we use a lot of the, the heartworm injection um, mm. preventatives. And so we usually give that at 12 weeks of age wow. um, or with, with their second, second puppy vaccine. And then they, you give them another one at six months. I'm, I'm, I'm tending to not in those dogs anymore just yeah. because, you know, I'd, there's other things that we can use for that. And it's more important that we get the vaccine into them and more important that then once they're already, they go, Oh, hang on, what are you doing around my back there? That then you don't give them an even bigger needle to then try and give them the heartworm injection. So, yeah. so yeah, it's, it's something I've had to, I've had to pivot my, um, my recommendation. I've still got them on good stuff. Of course. But, but pivoting the, um, the way in which we administer it, because I think, yeah, we, we need to be a little bit smarter with how we're trying to handle these little dogs because they do seem to be very hyper reactive. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I think we just need to be a bit more nuanced with what we do. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the pro hard at all, mate, until at least sort of, you know, the 12 month one or whatever it is, even, um, I just, I mean, it makes, it makes uh, good sense for the owners that they're covered that have mm-hmm. to remember sort of heartworm stuff, but, but yeah, I just, just worry about the learning that's involved. It's a bigger needle. You know, yeah. Sometimes it, uh, it gets a bit, um, you know, clogged as well. So you have to get another needle. You yeah. know, it's, um, I, I just find that there's more, more issues. So interesting that you've, yeah. you've sort of, yeah, you're pivoting from that as well. I, I basically judge it on how do they go with the first needle, and if the first needle goes well, and if, especially if it's a if it's a, a a floppy skin breed, Labradors or you know Cavaliers or something that's got a, a whole lot of skin there, yeah, yeah. hardly haven't even noticed. Yeah, look, we should be fine with it. Um, but if it's the if it's a little one and they've given it even a little reaction with the vaccine, mm-hmm. like yeah, no, look, let's let's pivot and use something else. And I actually now like I, I warn those and say, look, we're going to see how we go with the vaccine, and then from there we're going to talk about what we're going to use because it's. I think it's more important that they don't get wired up mm-hmm. when they come in for their uh, for their visits. So yeah, spot yeah. on, mate. Exactly. And if you are worried about your little puppy coming in for the uh, for the first vaccination, mate, what to, what potentially you give us something that perhaps a little bit calming, no side effects, safe in puppies. Any ideas? I would I would be hard pressed to look for anything other than Zilkeen, Lewis. Zilkeen is a great uh, great uh, anxiety relieving medication, nice and mild. Nice. So I'm just watching watching yep. Melvin going in there trying to he's he's scoping out the, the sink. Um, can Mel- you tell us Mel- about Zilkeen while I go and stop Melvin from yeah, eating? Yeah, sure. It looks like Melvin's got into the sourdough starter, so Robbie's just going to duck off to uh to to get Melvin out of his very special sourdough starter from way back when uh, when Nikola Tesla was inventing the uh, the resonant AC electrical circuit. Um, so he's just back now. So we'll just check that. The sourdough started all okay, mate. He hasn't hasn't ruined that too much. I know the, the, the sourdough did actually come out before. It's, uh, it's uh, <laughs> I can I can smell it, and I haven't had lunch. But he's there. Like, you he's, are, he's, listener. He's head in head in the bowls, trying to uh, trying to eat what was left over of Ruben's uh, b- breakfast slash lunch. Uh, that now he's there. Yeah, that we're talking uh, well, off air about. Well, what could uh, you What could you give him on the ground, mate? That would be uh, a little bit different to uh, to attract him away from the the sink. 
Well, I can tell you what there it is. It is um, unbelievable just how much Melvin wants to eat Rosie's cherish dog food. <laughs> yeah. right, so, so I've been trying to have uh, Melvin still on his exclusion diet because of his inflammatory bowel disease polyp that we had removed a couple of months ago. Yep. And my goodness, Ro- he's I, I have to I've had to put Rosie's food um outside or on the bench because he just wants to go and stick his head in it. So you know, right. usually we find that it's dogs want to eat cat food. Mm. The cherish is so good that even the cats want to eat it. So cherish is uh, uh, from the, uh, the, the the fine people at Delicate Care, uh, Australian made, Australian made, made over in uh, in that the, the newest uh, uh, the planet Earth's newest self declared country, which is Western Australia. I think Mark McGowan's put the uh, put the fences up there and has uh, declared sovereignty. But well, if not if not this week, maybe by next week. So, um, but it's made over there. And as far as we know, they're still going to export it into the rest of Australia. So that's great. Um, but made from Australia, all Australian ingredients that they can get. Um, great. Uh, they put a lot of research and development into the formulations of the diets uh, and lots of great options. The sensitive skin, sensitive stomach version, which is a, uh, a novel protein diet, which is great for exclusion diets for dogs and cats. Yeah, fantastic. Excellent. And also thank you to our, um, our Patreon supporters. Uh, we do certainly appreciate your support. Um, had a little bit of comment, uh, a little bit from Rebecca Duffy, just uh, just following up on your little scratch, mate. You got, oh, good, uh, yes. Yeah, that Perfectly nasty. healed, absolutely uh, now. Thank you very the much, photo Rebecca. We, in the photo we had, it was hard to tell that it wasn't healed. So um, Rebecca, Rebecca's comment, oof, we're glad you survived this. Oh, look, it's, uh, it was touch and go there for a little while, Rebecca, but, um, you know, healthy food and exercise and a nice amount of, uh, of uh, moisturizing cream on there has helped it to heal it up with minimal scar tissue. So my, my forearm modeling days have, have not been compromised. It's great. Excellent. And then she goes on to say that, uh, look, if Robbie's so that badly injured, is there any chance maybe Deb could step in just to, you know, for, for that period while you're healing from that nasty little wabbit that squats your little arm there, mate? Deb, Deb was definitely uh, upset that she was there as the medical sub ready to come in and she'd uh, she'd thrown the training top off and ready to go. But uh, but no, I managed to get myself back on board and ready to go and I was able to record. But you, uh, went in, you got the all clear from the TMO, didn't you, mate, for that nasty, nasty scratch there? Absolutely. Go. We're, we're, go. All, we're all good to go. <laughs> and um, and also another one of our uh, Patreon uh, subscribers, uh, uh, Cloudy, she dropped off some, uh, some buttons to me during the week. She said, ah. oh, now I know a different way to try and help you. So I've got some some lovely uh, dog themed buttons there. So uh, so just going to try and work out whether I can squeeze them through the the holes on my shirt. To uh, <laughs> well, some of them are quite big. If I if I had a duffel coat, I reckon I'd probably be able to you know use them on a duffel coat. But it's been a while since I've had a duffel coat. So maybe she's noticed you uh, you got some sort of sausage fingers there, mate. That you're uh, just have a bit of fumbling with your buttons. She thinks you need a bit of help there. Do you think? Uh, it's, it's quite possibly. Yeah. Some of them, they are they're, because they're in the shape of a paw. You'll be able to get quite a good oh, grip cute. on them. So, oh, so, cute. so yeah, yeah. It'd, be, it'd be terrific. And and a small belt at all, mate? Did uh, was no there, belt? No, no, no belt. belt. Okay. No, no, no. no or a no, normal size uh, belt? No. Normal, normal right. size belt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. Well, actually, that that leads in well. We got a uh, an article sent to us from Cloudy. Oh uh, yes. A little bit, of, a little bit of content, which is a fantastic article. I think. I hadn't actually seen this one, so it was great to great that you sent it forward, uh, sent it to us, uh, Cloudy. It was uh, it's written by Margaret, uh, Dr. Margaret Duxbury, who's a diplomat of the American College of Veterinary Behaviorists, yep. which I am not a member of. Because not a member of. No, no, you check that. 
specialist in behavior. Yep. Uh, it says, uh, why do we blame ourselves for our pet's behavior? Ooh. Uh, and she, gets, she uh, starts the article. I used to be ashamed of my dog. If Tug, that must be her dog's name, saw another dog, he'd leap in the air, wild-eyed. He'd lunge at the end of the leash and let loose a stream of ear-splitting doggy expletives that needed no translation. Right. Oh, very good. Yes. SH1T, obviously. Yeah, in, yeah. In and, and, and the like. Yes. Yes, that's right. That was embarrassing enough, but worse were the looks from my neighbours. The eye roll shared with a walking mate. A sigh so big you could see shoulders rise and fall from 40 feet away. Wow. Those who refused to acknowledge us at all, instead walking past with face set firmly neutral, opinions transparent in a jut of the jaw and a gaze straight ahead. People can make us feel bad. If this sounds familiar, you are not alone. Each year, hundreds of pet owners coming to our behavior specialty practice answer yes to the question, do you feel guilty about your pet's behavior? Ah. I reckon this must be a really big thing as well. So why do people often assume the worst about others instead of being sympathetic? Mm. The answer may be due to fundamental attribution bias. The natural tendency to assume that our success or failure is due to personal attributes such as temperament, IQ, or personality rather than the individual circumstance we are in. Since these, these attributes contribute to our feeling of self-worth, this bias is ego building if we're enjoying success, but humiliating if we're failing. Mm. So if we've got a dog that's poorly behaved, we, uh, we do feel humiliated by that. If you've got a dog that's just dog out of the box, amazing, wonderful, yes. you, feel, you feel like, oh, I'm the best, aren't I the best owner in the world? I'm going to put my opinions on social media. Yes, exactly. So true. I'm going to tell everyone, including I crack the code and people who don't want to know about it. Yes. (laughs) I knew that Tug had struggled around other dogs since he was tiny. And this was a bad moment in what had been several weeks of progress, but my neighbors only saw him as a bad dog and me as incapable. It was hard for that not to matter. So she then goes, why do dogs, why do behavior problems develop in dogs? Dogs develop behavior problems for many reasons. Humans love dogs, but none of us arrive in the world fluent in their non-verbal language. It's not our fault, but it's an opportunity. Learning to understand what dogs think through their body language can resolve a host of issues. When we communicate using the things that matter to help them as canines and as individuals, we can build cooperation and trust and help them navigate the difficult parts of life. So one of the reasons they get problems is early adversity. Many of our dogs had a rough start to life, early start in life, early adversity, such as malnutrition, neglect, housing, stress, or an impoverished social environment can undermine a dog's ability to cope with stress throughout their lives. And that's one of the big reasons why we're not a fan of puppy farms is Mm. the social depravity that those dogs come out with because of their stressful malnourished, poor living conditions. We often end up with puppies that uh, that really are struggling the, the early parts of their life. These dogs see the world through a harsher lens than those who come from generations of well-cared-for ancestors. Their stress response will be bigger. It will take less to set it in motion. Recovery will be slower. All this makes them harder to manage and without medical treatment reduces their quality of life. The other one is Next one uh, that can cause behavior problems is behavioral genetics. 
Even puppies picked after careful planning can arrive with their own set of baggage. Behavioral genetics is far more complicated than those for physical traits, such as a coat or an eye color. But genes do contribute importantly to many behavioral traits. Mm. From the instinctive, go get around back, lie down, of a border collie near sheep, yep. to a settler on point in a grouse woods. Oh, a really oh, good, f- really, fully grouse. Awesome, in awesome woods, I imagine. Fully grouse. A grouse woods. Yep. They might be talking about the pheasant-like creature. Is that what yep. a grouse is? Is that a yep. bird? I think, yeah. I think so. Yes. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Perhaps, um, Andrew, if you're still listening, mate, if uh, you got through today, if you could you just... Could Wikipedia uh, that. Yeah, yeah. just just check on grouse for us and we'll, we'll uh, touch in with you next week. Just if you can dial in from, from ba- the Baghdad end, just let us know yeah. uh, the, the, and, what the grouse is. And and, and whether or not the um, the Grouse Appreciation Society is still called the, uh, the Pheasant Pluckers. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Is that your is that is that your netball name? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. 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 We've yeah, got yeah. we've got it. We've got it emblazoned on our on our uh, on our squats. Right. Along with um the the big ice um the big ice big test icicles or something. Is that the other? Oh team? yeah. 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 The, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, te- oh, the, t- the test eagles. Yeah, yes. Yes. Right. The test, Very test good. eagles. Is we go all day. We go all day on this. <laughs> and why not? Here we go. <laughs> Uh, genes also contribute to behavior problems such as noise sensitivities, compulsive behaviors, shyness, fearfulness, and certain types of aggression. Article continues after advertisement. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so pro experience is another thing that can also affect uh, behavior. Experience drives behaviors. Our pets' futures are written by their past and what happens to them today. Pets with serious behavior problems need protection from the situations that unleash their demons. So avoidance is something we talk about. Mm. Avoid things that trigger them. How we manage our dogs, how we communicate, what they learn and what they learn to love. These things matters and bring about change. We can take credit for nature and nurture. Not all nurture, nature and nurture both matter. A genetically fearful puppy will have more trouble raised in isolation than one who can engage in the environment world by choice. Engage in the world by choice, sorry. And when we ready explore and create important social bonds. Well-intentioned play play with a laser pointer may unlock a hidden genetic code to chase lights and shadows that takes on a life of its own. Right. That's why we don't always recommend using laser pointers. Definitely don't. Tug was a confident, happy-go-lucky puppy from a caring breeder who'd done everything right. At eight weeks old, he was excited to go to puppy class, confident in the environment, and loved up the instructors. It was a bit of surprise when the first puppy arrived, he darted beneath a chair to hide. His knee-jerk fear persisted even as he improved in smaller, quieter remedial groups, gained confidence as a pesky younger brother to our patient adult Labrador, and was never forced to approach or be approached by another dog. He had no experience. Experiential reason, so no reason to be afraid of other dogs. He just was. And yeah, that's right. a really interesting point that yeah. some dogs just are. Yeah. And it's not because you're a bad owner. It's not because you're a good owner. It's just sometimes bad luck. Yeah. And, and he, yeah, he just is. And he is to this day. And after years of hard work, he's no longer a freak on a leash. Nice. <laughs> I like this good writing and he still wants nothing to do with other dogs. It is written in his DNA. So the end goes on to when we encounter others having trouble, 
Let's use our minds and hearts to see past our own attribution bias. We may have walked a walk, but we have not walked their walk. Oh, <laughs> I nice. see that. Yeah, nice. That's I good. I can see that. Claudia, this is great. Yeah. How could we know that the woman dragged down the street by an unruly beagle, never intended to get a dog, but clings to this one, the beloved sidekick and the last living connection to the son who died unexpectedly. Mm. Yeah, well, that's true. We see a lot of that, don't we? Of uh, yeah. people that are hanging on to their pets because it's the last connection to somebody that's really dear to them. Yeah. Or that the man caring for a dog that is becoming dangerous is also caring for his wife, whose dementia leads her to open the very doors he closes for safety. Mm. People need support. We may not see their struggles, but we are better off if we assume they are there. That's really, really good. Mm. When we try to manage a pet with problem behavior, it is important to find support from those who understand and also to turn to our attention inward. Let's celebrate our own courage as we put aside the dream dog we'd imagine and love the unique dog in front of us. Be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. So, yeah. very good article. I like it's that. a great like, article. Yeah, I like that a lot because the common thing you hear you know, people, you know, they've got the lovely puppy and they want the puppy that goes to the park. They want the puppy that sits the nicely at the cafe and yeah, you know, interacts and does everything in their life. And sometimes you just don't get that puppy, despite all the best efforts you've done. Mm. You can do the right things. You can go to that breeder. You can go and see mum and dad. You can go and see the puppies before you get them. You can go and see their living environment. You can take them to puppy school. You can do everything. But sometimes, unfortunately, there are just some, I suppose the same in humans. There are such some people Absolutely. That, that really struggle in certain situations. And that's a fact of life, isn't it? And so, and it's and it and it is the, the acceptance. Yeah, you, know, you have to accept mm, that that's the way they are and mm, accept that there's no easy change and accept that you that they need your support to try and help them out. So therefore, yeah, you just have to work out, okay, well, so this is the hand that we're dealt. What can we do to try and improve it? How can we stack the deck in our favor to try and make this as as pleasant and as comfortable for them and for us as what we can? And that might be that you went and bought your dog so that you could take it for walks, but it might be that your dog doesn't like going for walks at times when other people are there. So you go, well, we need to walk by ourselves, but we take the dog for a walk at nine o'clock when there's no one else around. Yeah. Hey, it's a pain in the bum, but you need to accept that that's the situation you're in. It's not ideal, but it's the it's the the spot that you're in. Yeah, I've started uh, jogging with with Stella a little bit. Uh, with lockdown, we thought both of us can you know, a bit of exercise be good. So we have got a, uh, I suppose a local park. You know, it's only about a k away from us. That um, mm. that is, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful park. Sort of, um, you know, really tree lined. It's got a lake. It's really, it's almost like a like a bush in the city. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's really really nice. And so we've started jogging there, and it's interesting that it's it's not obviously as, uh, as busy as walking on the beach where everyone wants to take their pooch walking. Mm-hmm. And as we go along, the number of people I see that they're walking their dog in this area <clears throat> exclusively, probably because their dogs are nervous yes. and don't want to meet other dogs. And so we're jogging along and, and some of them will have the, the white, uh, sorry, the yellow sort of scarf on that says nervous or yes. something like that. And they'll see us coming, jogging along and you just see the owners freeze and get worried. Yep. And means, means Stella, no, we're really good. We go, come on, let's we'll, we'll jog around this way. And so we, yep. we, we give a really wide berth, that sort of thing. And that's sometimes what we need. They don't, they don't want us going, it's okay. I'm a behaviorist. I can pet your dog. They'll be fine. Don't worry. I oh, know. You know, it's not, that's not what they want. That's not no. what the dog doesn't want to pat from me. Nope. No, he wants no. me to jog on by and leave them alone and just even acknowledge you know, a little nod of the head yep. and, and a wide berth and off we go. You know, they're living, the, they're doing their best life. 
I'm doing my best puffing along. <laughs> Leave us all alone. Well, that's the thing. The dog, the dogs heard you coming from as soon as you've got out the uh, the end of your street. Yeah, they heard, heard, heard the the increased respiratory rate and effort that you that you're trying to do, trying to keep up with Stella. Um, and and that's as good as anything for that dog too, because if that dog's expecting that, hang on, we're walking out here and someone, yeah, this stranger is going to come up and really get in the face. Well, no, if the dogs come and you go past, well, then that's a go, oh, that was good. I didn't mm. react and they kept on going. So this is exactly. good. This is a win for me. So Exactly. Yeah, you see the owner stiffer. But, yeah, talking about the noise coming, I'll say to Stella, sometimes there's some snakes in that area as well. So <laughs> Stella, don't worry about snakes. The way I'm shuffling along, they're hearing, they're hearing me miles away. I always the say that. The train's coming. I always say that to Rubes as well. Is that the safest place to be when we're walking through the bush is close to him because there is no, like, it would have to be the deafest, most, um, you know, uh, uh, abdominally numb snake to not feel the vibrations of him coming along. You, know, you don't have to worry about snakes. It's, it's, any snake that's going to be there is in the fits of hibernation if it's not moving away as we're coming through. So, yeah. Very good. Excellent. All right, mate. Now, well, you got something this week? Uh, yeah. So I actually, um, so I found this article through a, um, uh, the article I'm going to talk about later on, but I had no idea that this was even on the radar, mate, that um, ice cream for dogs, even pets are eating their pandemic feelings. Were you across this that about, uh, about Ben and Jerry's? No, tell yeah. me more. So we've reached, pet. this is from uh, Laura Riley. This was in the Washington Post, um, was from uh, January 15th of this year, 2021. Uh, let me just get this little box off of here. We've reached peak pet. There's no really nowhere else to go. Animal shelters are out of dogs. Tech conventions are debuting cat exercise equipment. And more creepily, headless robotic lap cats with very swishy tails. How do we know we've planted our flag at the pinnacle of pet obsession? One of the best known premium ice cream companies has gone to the dogs. Ooh. Ben and Jerry's this week announced the debut of doggy desserts, four ounce cups of mostly non-dairy frozen treats, one featuring pumpkin with cookies and another with peanut butter and pretzels. It's non-dairy because some dogs like people don't tolerate lactose. Well, the base is sunflower seed butter, the same as Ben and Jerry's non-dairy frozen confections for humans. And therein is the essence during the pandemic ice cream sales have surged. Over the 52 weeks ending in September the 6th, in-home ice cream expenditures were up 13.4% and unit sales increased by 8.4%, according to data from the Chicago-based market research IRI. Creamy frozen treats have provided succor during these difficult times, and we want man's best friend to be right there with us on the couch eating our feelings. Succor, sucker. Sucor? Oh, it depends. Yeah, you know, potato, potato, sucker, sucor. You know, um, the urge to anthropomorphize and accessorize the animals we live with has gained steam. Between 2013 and 2019, pet stuff has been one of the fastest growing spending categories, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics Consumer Expenditure Surveys. In 2013, we spent about the same on our pets. 58, uh, near enough to 58 billion as we did on alcohol, about 56 billion. By 2019, we spent $13.5 billion more on our pets than on alcohol, 20, uh, 90 billion to alcohol, 76.5 billion. So we all uh, about, what's that? So 50 billion, that's about half a submarine, eh? Yes, yeah, give or take. Yeah, give or take. <laughs> what is that in French francs? You know? <laughs> Hello to all our French listeners. No, we can't do that. No, no, no. Sorry about that's culturally sorry. inappropriate. So sorry, sorry about uh, you know Scott Morrison and you know he's um, you know taken back of your uh, of the 
they're very political oh, today. Oh, we've so gone political. WA, we've gone France. Oh. Yeah, we're just um, hitting, the, hitting the high notes. Baghdad. By 20, yeah, but by, absolutely. Yeah, there you go. That was yours. That's all on you. <laughs> by 2019, uh, we already got that. We also spend more than twice as much on our pets as we did on major appliances, fresh fruit, or tobacco products that year. Spending on dog treats alone has jumped 44% from 2015 to 2020, with pet owners spending 5.5 billion on them last year, according to data firm Euromonitor. This is not news to Ben and Jerry's and its parent company, Unilever, a titan in the ice cream business. There have been ice creams for pets in the past. Frosty Paws, Pooch Creamery, Dairy Queen offers a pup cup and Starbucks whip up puppuccinos so you can watch them scoot the cup around the floor. But this represents the first non-human foray into the super premium category. Lindsay Bumps, global marketing specialist for Ben and Jerry's and a certified veterinary nurse, says the idea for the product surfaced last February right before the pandemic reached the United States. Treats are such a big category, I might go to the vet with my dog and he did so great, I want to take him for a pup cup, she said. Uh, she said, companion, a French bulldog named Spock. It normally takes about 12 months to launch a product, but we had to adjust our ways of working because we all started working from home. Nonetheless, the project, in, the project entailed Flavor Guru, her companion, a great Pyrenees named Boone, who prefers the pumpkin flavor, the innovation team, a nutritional consultant, and a regulatory consultant, and lengthy negotiations over flavors and size. Then there was the focus groups. According to Bumps, in ordinary times, Ben and Jerry's Vermont headquarters has an average of 40 K9 to fivers on premise any given day. Still, these work from home dogs weighed in. Cat owners are restive now. What about us? According to Bumps, dogs have receptors for sweets like humans, while cats do not. Sweet feline fold roll would be lost on them uh fodder roll maybe fodder yeah but it's called fodder roll anyway fodder fodder um, Bump right. suggests trying to trying to product out slowly on pooches, scooping a little into a bowl to see how it is digested. There are no verboten ingredients such as chocolate or coffee, but it is still a good idea to take it slow. She says more flavors will probably be added down the pike. Mm. The treats offered in mini cups or multi packs are priced between $2.99 and $4.99 will debut next week, but won't be located in the Ben and Jerry section next to the Cherry Garcia or the Chunky Monkey. They will be in the frozen novelty section next to bars and ice cream sandwiches might a human eat them by mistake they are very clearly for dogs with dog dog tags for the flavor names bump says and the stories of the flavors namesakes ben and jerry staff dogs ponch and rosie on the back but what if you accidentally grabbed a cup for yourself you can absolutely eat them i've tried bump says they are delicious Very good. Well, that's a new new treats. Yeah, you know, go with the peanut butter. Have some uh, Ben and Jerry's in the freezer. How long do you reckon if you had you bought some Ben and Jerry's puppuccino or whatever it is pup cup and puck chup yep. stuff, yeah, yeah. and you put it in the freezer at the vet clinic for the pets? How long until the staff are here? Do you reckon? Oh, uh, if it, if it's at my place, mate, it's um, it's yeah, yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't be long. I'm a I'm, I'm a bit of a fiend when it comes to the sweet stuff. I'll so. be, definitely be having one for lunch. I'm going. Here's a little bit for you, and I'll just finish off that cone and myself. a whole lot for me. It'll be like yeah. when I'm getting the kids ice cream. I'll yeah, give give myself a big scoop and give them a little scoop. Just go. Well, look, it's a daddy tax. Yeah, excellent. All righty. Well, do you want to go to Skyman? Then I've got, I've actually got one more we can go on to, and then uh, yeah, cool. 
Right. Uh, all advice on the show is generally nature, so please consult your veterinarian before we uh, before following any advice for your pet. We do our best to provide the most up-to-date information, but as veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing, let us know if we've missed anything or if you need any clarification or if we have upset any other people <laughs> to do with uh, any um, engineering uh, pioneers. <laughs> pioneers or locations of where people live or their accent. Yes. Or, yeah, <laughs> going to be worried now. Anyway, yes. we move on. Move on. Uh, this um, this is an article in Applied uh, Animal Behaviour Science that I saw. It's a fantastic nice. little article. Um, that uh, um, it's been summarised by the New But when you you've if you got a cattery, you're no, you don't have a you have a. Oh, we do. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So when when owners drop their cats off for the cattery, mate, do you uh, yep. do you ever suggest you know they're staying for a couple of weeks? Do you ever suggest the owners bring something in or yeah, any suggestions at all? Uh, sometimes the only thing is though, is that if they bring in bedding and things like that, if the bedding gets soiled, then we've got to wash it anyway. Or, you know, we always get worried about things getting lost. So, um, we, we, we do it, but we don't, um, we don't strongly encourage it. Mm. So certainly that's something I, I recommend you or know, have in the past that taking yeah. your cat to the, the cattery that take along you know, a t-shirt that you've slept in mm. or, you know, or their usual bedding, you know, something, uh, something that's got perhaps the cat scent on it, but also something with the owner scent on it. Mm. And this interesting little, uh, little article that came out, uh, perhaps says, says otherwise. Oh, hello. Yeah. Anx- anxious cats aren't comforted by objects that smell like their favorite person. Um, uh, most cats form strong bonds with their caretakers and appear to find their presence reassuring. However, unlike human babies, cats don't accept scent alone as a worthy stand-in for the people they have bonded with, says Kristen Vitali at Unity College in Maine. Olfaction, smelling, is an important sense for cats and it's related to their social behaviour. But in our study, Owner-scented objects did not have a stress-reducing effect, she says. Ah. The smell might even make matters worse for some cats. Right. Cat owners are sometimes told to leave an item of their clothing with their pets when they have separated from them, such as in a pet hotel. To see where this practice is actually helpful, Vitaly and her colleagues asked 42 cat owners to bring their cats and and something that smelled like themselves, a shoe, a sock, a nightshirt, or a blanket to an unfamiliar testing room. Each owner sat in the middle of a two meter wide circle on the floor while their cat was allowed to roam freely throughout the room. Then the owner left the cat alone. Afterwards, the cat experienced one of two sequences. For some, the owner came back, then left them alone again. For others, the object was presented first and then the owners returned after the cat had been alone for a period. The majority of the cats showed signs of bonding with their owners, rubbing against them when they returned to the room and meowing nervously when they were absent, says Vitaly. Normal behavior. Yep. Regardless of which sequence they experienced, the cats generally paid no attention to the scented object and didn't act any calmer than when they were alone without the object. All <laughs> right. Cats. They're yeah. on their own program. Yeah. 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 Uh, where'd you go? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you guys go? Where'd you go? But no, no, something I thought. No, you gonna feed go. me now? Yeah. Where'd you yeah. go? Where's my food? Where's my yeah. food? No, I don't give them food. I don't want that food. Yeah. What's, well, what's that other food? I know there's yeah. something else in there. Yeah, you gotta try something else. Yeah. Give yeah. me something uh, else. Can you open the door? Yep, open the door. No, I'm not going to. No, 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 no. I just no, wanted no. to make sure the door opened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sucker. In fact, 38% of them were more vocal 
when the scented object was in the room than when they were left alone without it. Wow. Okay. Many of the cats even appeared less reassured by their owner's presence if they'd been given the scented object as a substitute first. Interesting. Yeah. That could be because cats need more general social interaction with their owner. Things like warmth, touch, and vocalization could all be in, uh, important as well, she says. The findings suggest owners could do most cats a favor by not leaving them with their owners, with their odors. Odors, owners' odors. The owners' odors. Yeah, during yeah. absences. Instead, owners could try to be physically present with their present with their cats. Difficult at the cattery, but when you're going on holidays, yes, that's right. When you're leaving them for two weeks and you're not going to be in the country, yes, yep. I say whenever it is reasonable to do so, if the cat needs to experience a new environment or other stressful situations. But interesting, whether or not good to follow up, whether or not we would recommend now whether to give the nightshirt. I think I might move away from it. Uh, and I wonder, yeah, as a follow-up experiment for the for those guys, um, would be to see what happens if you were to have the owner's uh, clothing versus the the cat's bedding or something like that. So mm. would the cats be happier having something that smells like themselves rather than something that smells like the owner? Because you'd think that if the cats, if that's, uh, you know, they've got their bed or even just the towel or something that they've, uh, that they've um, been on as they've coming in and out of the, um, uh, of the cat carrier a few times that might, if that's got the scent of the cat on there, mm. given that cats are on their own program, they might prefer their own odor to what mm. they would do of the owner's odor anyway. Yeah. Good. Good follow-up man. And, uh, and also uh, maybe, maybe uh, yeah, no, great. Great follow-up. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to win. There you go. Stop clock twice, twice, once a, uh, twice a day, mate. All righty. Excellent. All right. So if you've got any questions. Yeah. Send uh, us in a us. Yeah. Send us in some uh, two vets talk pets at gmail.com. Uh, Robbie, Robbie's on the right fit. Mate, well, yeah, you've been you've, getting you've, a few you've, of those lately. You've, you've signed What's me up to that. Yeah, you know, the um, the the ethically beautiful or beautifully ethically um underwear models that you're trying to get me in for, and uh, the, the, also the, the bam the bamboo underwear that uh, they're going to send out some for us to, to try on the contra agreement you've got going on. Yeah, the, very the, good, the, mate. The spray on beard as well, like that was um <laughs> that I, I look forward to that one. That's going to be great. Tell the listener, mate. I'll fit them in. Look, Robbie signed himself up to the. To the right fit, which is uh, for influencers, you know. Obviously, Robbie sees himself. He's moved on. He's he's, he's up. He's stepped up a little bit from very influential, just, just a vet to a now an influential podcaster. He's a, so um so he's now now he's put himself down as an influencer. And he's got on the right fit and and he's now applying for jobs to do wear underwear. And, just it's and it's part, and, part of it is part of it is just for you know. Part, I'll be honest. It's all ego driven, you know. Like I'm at this point where yeah. I feel like I can, yeah, I, I can try and shed some of the love that I, that people have for me in general, and then try and sort of monetize that. So, uh, and if I can do that through a spray-on beard while wearing uh, bamboo underwear, why not? Well, it's, it's uh, just to let the, the listener behind the third curtain a little bit. It did was a little bit of a joke that I thought might go might go down quite well. I thought I'll just sign sign uh, Robbie Robbie up to this, um, and uh, it did ask for five photos, uh, you know. And so naturally, I found the most flattering 
photos, <laughs> yeah, that looking like, you know, with hats on and wearing funny clothes and, you know, funny faces. And I said, I thought this, there's no way this would be accepted. And, and a little bit of a blurb, blurb about Robbie. Oh, well, I think, you know, I, I am the best, best <laughs> worldwide. And yes, I've got millions of followers and 2000 oh, yes 2008 yeah. instagram not that i'm counting instagram followers <laughs> yeah. uh, so you know and bang we're approved so i'm not sure how there we how go strict the uh the requirements are to get on the right fit mate but but robbie's on there so if you if you're looking for, for an influencer to to do your i don't know to go to your nightclub on the Gold Coast or something like that. Robbie's <laughs> your man. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be VIP access. I want to go behind one of those ones with a little rope. Yeah, I want to be mate. able to get, get get behind the get behind the rope. That'd be great. Wouldn't it be Especially, nice, wouldn't it be nice just to queue up to something like that, hey? Oh, and, and not be 1.5 meters apart. Mm, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so you get us on the Instagram. We're on we're on Facebook. Um, you got any questions? Certainly. Thank you very much to those questions we got this week. And yes. uh, big thank you to Delvid Over for his uh, for his fact checking. Yes. Alrighty, guys. Scratch you later. Peace out, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or send an email to Two Vets Talk Pets at gmail.com. You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at Vet Behaviorist, and more importantly, as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals' lives, be sure to thank them with a five star review on iTunes. Every time you do, a small, cute animal will receive a cuddle. <laughs>